Nightmare Zion Williamson. Lefty three was all net. 285 and can shoot it from outside as well. I believe he is Jadavian Clowney meets Zach Levine. Whoa. Williamson driving foul. Puts it up with the left hand. Goes around the rim and down. I don't know how you guard that guy. Can shoot the three and seems like an unstoppable force headed to the line. Football body, but with Zach Levine bounce. Kentucky trying to get it going, but Jack White with a steal on the far side. Feeds Williamson. Look out! Tomahawk jam! Oh! By the end of the year, he's going to put one in his mouth and dunk it that way because he is up like a rocket ship. I saw some kid on Duke last night who was pretty impressive. <laughs> My goodness. I thought LeBron was, uh, I thought that was that was a one-guy, one, one one-shot deal, but apparently the, the next guy's coming. Jones in the open floor. Missed the layup, and Williamson is there to flush it home. Somebody asked me to describe, like, describe Zion Williamson in three words, and I was like, oh my God. Eldon Johnson using a screen, now hits the screen, and oh Richards tripped God. away by Williamson. And here comes the big man. What Great bounce pass to Barrett, who finishes and gets fouled. Oh, you got your first Zion Williamson highlight reel play. Yeah, 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 yeah. This season more than any, you know, because the NCAA really tries to build its brand around Coach K, Izzo, Cal, and great coaches and programs. But it seems like that model was flipped on his ears by Zion Williamson because he basically was the biggest story in college basketball this season. And even the tournament seemed like it was more about the players than the coaches with the performances we had from individual players. So my question is, we know the biggest story, but what would be the second biggest story of this college basketball season? Yeah, that Nike shit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The um, You know what I'm saying? The corruption part of it. That's the biggest story, really. To me, anyway. That's interesting because you're right. I didn't even think about it because I was about to go the route of another player. And I was about to mm-hmm. say, I was about to say, man, Ja Morant might have been the second biggest story of – the season, or even that, just the lottery and how it's going. What makes it to me? What makes this the biggest story or the second biggest story is because nobody's talking about it. Like it's not even like a discussion. And I understand that you know within the context of the NCAA tournament going on, yeah. but like nobody is talking about this. Now we and talked about weird. it. We talked about it a little bit on our very first podcast. Go check that out, SoundCloud, according to sources. Right here, my guy Brian Crawford and Chris Kaysen. And we jump into this, and it's amazing how when we talked about it, we all had different thoughts of the impact. In BC, you have personal relationships with some of the guys that actually ended up getting time from the case. So for you, it was very personal. But the system and how things have gone, do you think anything has changed as far as the AAU system and how shoe companies deal with that? in connection with the players, even going on to college and the way they deal with college programs. Has anything changed? Do you see the shoe companies moving any differently than they always have? Um, I mean, well, the Nike thing is personal for me, too, as far as, like, the stuff that just came out because, you know, I know a couple of people involved in that. But, you know, to answer your question, like, does it does it change anything? Yeah, it changes everything. Does it change the business? I don't think so. I think – what it changes about the business is the way that things get handled 
But I don't know if this, you know, corrects what, you know, what has been a problem. You know what I'm saying? And and really and truly what has been an open secret is just, you know, it just so happens that it it's coming out now because, you know, you got so many people involved and you got digital communications and you got people putting out emails and text messages. So mm-hmm. it's it's real sloppy. So that's, you know, that's why you kind of know about a lot of the inner workings of stuff that has, you know, that a lot of people who knew but didn't talk, already knew that, you know, had already known that. So, you know, I think I think it's going to change the way certain things are done. But once this, I mean, this train has been rolling for a long time, and yeah. I don't really know if you can really stop it. I just think, you know, you can kind of get a little bit slicker in terms of not being detected. But, you know, you got a whole, you know, you got a whole economy and you got a whole sub economy up under that 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 maintains the top economy, and you know if you take out the base, then the whole top is gonna fall. So they're not gonna let that happen. So I don't, you know, I think it changes things, but I think it changes nothing at the same time. Yeah, uh, same thing. I think it changes the way people move. Now, normally when these things come out, I mean, the people who are first caught, they're kind of like. You know, we're going to make an example out of them just to show we're serious. I mean, and that, you know, it'll probably put a pause on certain things, but I just think it changes the way people move. People will look at the mistakes they made and they'll look and say, all right, this is what they did wrong. This is how we can better that. So, I mean, you know, for better or worse terms, but I don't think it changes too much of like anything, I mean, this stuff has been going on for how many years? I mean, that, goes all the way back yeah. to Sonny Vaccaro, exactly. man. And I mean, I mean, and then you know, you talk about Sonny Vaccaro. What was the? Uh, they had the whole what was it? The documentary or whatever it was, and that Sonny Vaccaro basically came out and said it. Yeah, like yo, yeah. like like we we do this, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But he's like, the only thing is that it, you know we we keep it personal in between two people, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't a lot of handlers, and it wasn't this guy and that guy, but like nah, he basically admitted to it then. So, you know what I'm saying? It's not even really, like I said, it's always been an open secret. You know, people love to believe in the in the, in the the integrity of sports. But I always say the more money involved, the less, in te- you know, the less integrity you got in it. Because now you got big business, and, you know, and this is big money being spent, and this is, you know, big money changing hands, and you can't stop that, man. Like, this is, this is, just, this is just private business being displayed out in the open. That's all it is. Now, you take away the shoe companies. Who are the biggest benefactors of the way things have been going for the past 20, 30 years? Like, who doesn't want things to change? Like, regardless of whether or not, you know, you have, like you said, people that are being made example of, whether it's coaches. You got Will Wade who's still being investigated. The FBI just showed up down in Baton Rouge Mm -hmm. last week to further that investigation. Or whether it was these runners and assistant coaches, a guy like Chuck Person, uh, the guys that you were – uh, having a relationship with BC, who's on the back end of this or in the shadows of this saying, okay, let's sweep this under the rug, let the talk die down, and let's keep it moving because we're making a majority of this money. Is it the schools that really don't want everything to change? Of course. Or is it bigger than that? Nah, it's not even schools. It's the NCAA. Mm. Uh, the, the NCAA. Why does the NCAA want anything to change? The NCAA don't care if kid goes to Under Armour school or the Adidas school or Nike school because they got all the school. You know what I'm saying? So it, it don't even matter. These kids going to generate revenue wherever they go. So, the, you know, it, 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 
the NCAA certainly doesn't want anything to change because they're going to get the kids, they're going to get the money, the program's going to get the shine. If the program is good enough, they're going to go deep into the tournament, people are going to watch, and more money going to be spent. That's just how it goes. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So now nah, the, the NCAA wants it to be business as usual. You know, it's a lot of things that they very well could do that they won't do because obviously then it, 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 it makes their model look bad. And so they're trying their best to hold on to that model, which is, you know, if you talk to people or, you know, however, it's very exploitative because the kids don't get money, but they do, you know, but the NCAA gets all of the money. So they don't want anything to change. So they are the biggest beneficiary beneficiary of this to this, regardless of who gets in trouble at the shoe company. It don't matter to them. Yeah, easily. I mean, you you even look at. I remember uh, just watching something not too long ago about how much money just March Madness brings in alone. It's like a billion, and I was like, wow! I didn't even know. You would think it's you know a couple million here, but then when you think about all the programs that are involved, all the people that are, you know, pooling money together to you know fill out brackets. I mean, billion, and you know these kids aren't touching anything and the NCAA they'll try to control um you know whatever narrative it may be I think they released like a commercial or something online just you know talking about student athletes and stuff like that and it was almost all the, a yeah, joke. those commercials doing yeah. the tournament yeah it's a joke yeah but yeah I mean to what BC said I mean when you have a a business that's bringing in billion dollars of revenue you know these little cases you know, where, you know, guys are doing, you know, people's lives are being affected just because people are getting, you know, fed, fed time, but the NCAA could care less. I mean, as long as nothing is, you know, hurting the bottom line, then, you know, they really don't care. And it's a crazy thing because you see, we just saw what John Calipari get a lifetime, lifetime. contract from Kentucky, which was amazing. I don't know. Answer this for me, man. And this might be a sidebar that we can get back and it might explain some other things that are connected, because if I'm not mistaken, is UCLA still an Adidas school? Uh, no, they're Under Armour. They're Under Armour now. You're right. With all of that being said, can you explain to me, in the offseason, where is every NBA player? L.A. Coast, yeah. How is UCLA not a college basketball power? And for them to make an offer to John Calipari that's less than what he's making now, that's an insult. Like, you want me, and I think John Calipari on the West Coast would have been recruiting recruitment danger for everybody else. Oh, yeah. Especially with his connection to NBA players. Mm -hmm. And with all of that being said, it just comes to bear, like, is UCLA from a business side or a business model out of the loop for, like, the big programs and what it takes to be one of the major players? They have Earl Watson. They have, what, uh, Baron Davis other prestigious alumni that played in the NBA that have been coaches in the NBA still connected to the NBA. Like, how do you get disconnected like that and not be a part of this huge business model that's taking place between AAU, these young players, the NCAA, the young players, of course, aren't getting their money until they make it to the NBA and the shoe companies. Like, how is UCLA not in this loop? I mean, that's a, uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's didn't UCLA have some issues of their own? Yeah, they did. I mean, you just look at coaching. How many coaches have they Well, had they the haven't been consistent years? until since Ben Howland, right? And Jamie Dixon, who's a disciple of Ben Howland, just said no to UCLA to stay at TCU. Wow. That's crazy. Well, this is the conversation that we always have about Illinois, right? Right. And, you know, we talk about this offline all the time. Like, yo, the minute you get caught with the bag, 
dropping the bag, you can't do it no more. Mm. You can't. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you know, you gotta start to move a little bit different because now you got, you got eyes on you, right? So, and that has been the issue that, like I said, keep close to home. That's been an issue with Illinois for the longest is that they haven't been able to get the big time guys from Chicago specifically to stay home because we understand off the record and under the table, this is on the record, but whatever, that we understand that, you know, it's going to take a little maneuvering to get some of these guys in there. And so when you get caught up a couple of times, you can't do, you know, you can't, you can't do it like that. So, you know, you got UCLA going from an Adidas program to an Under Armour program, which Under Armour is, you know, a very big name in terms of sports apparel and, you know, and even with sneakers and, you know, individual players with stuff and stuff like that, they still like, even if they are making bread, which they are, they still just not at that level of, of, of recognition and, and respectability and just resonance with the kids that they are with a Nike and, and, and to a lesser degree Adidas. So even when you come down on that respect, you just made it even doubly hard for yourself, right? Because what are these kids thinking about now? When they pick a school, they're not even thinking about winning half the time. They're thinking about, you know, what type of free stuff can I get? Now, that's interesting because... Go, you know what I'm saying? Who got the first stuff? Now, you say that, and now to go back to a Calipari, who, he's at Kentucky, it's a Nike school, he has a relationship with Nike. And not to cut you off, but why would Cal leave a Nike program for under That's that's what, a, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Elaborate on that, because now, these coaches now, when they're deciding, they're not just deciding upon deciding on you know, fan base, school program, conference. Now they're looking at, man, what's the shoe? What's man, the you got to understand, like, like, yo, like. This, it is crazy kids, now. Go ahead. No, I was saying, like, like you got to understand, like, man, these kids, like, when they, you know, when they running around in these AAU programs and stuff like that, like, yo, they getting boxes of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, like, you don't even understand, like, the kind of stuff that these kids get. And it just, it just, that helps. When you're a coach and you're trying to sell your program, you know, it's, yeah, it's about, yeah, you know, I just sent player X and player Y and player Z to the league. Oh, that's cool. But, yo, like, yo, we can still get you this stuff, man. Like, for real. Like, it, like these kids, like, the mentality is different. So that makes it a little bit easier. So when you're a coach, you got to think strategically about stuff like that. It's not always about the program. These kids don't care nothing about UCLA no more. We care about that because that's UCLA was that type of program for us. They don't care about that no more. So you saying that they the uh, baby blue uh-huh. and uh, brewing gold uh, Stephs aren't uh, making things happen on the AAU circuit? Man, when have you heard UCLA <laughs> just like I'm? I'm just saying, like going back to like the '90s, man. UCLA was a powerhouse program. Even going back before that, man. In the last, the last 20, squad, 30 the last, years, I think the last squad was the Westbrook squad that lost to D Rose in the Final Four. That was the last really good squad they had. Yeah, with Ryan and Hollins look, and them. Yeah. What year was that? That was 2000 and what? 2007, eight. So it was like 15 years, 16 years, seven, eight, nine. Between I think that, they won like back to back to back Pac 12s. Yeah. Right, so that's a long time between, like, them Ed O'Bannon squads and all of that. You know what I'm saying? And that's when UCLA was, like, really at its peak when people actually cared about that program. And now look at it. So, now nah, it's, it's it's a lot of stuff that go into that, man. But, like I said, if you're a coach, there's a lot of things you got to think about strategically and who you align yourself with on the shoe company side in terms of being able to attract these kids. That matters a lot. So the globalization of these shoe companies, you can just look at the new deal that Adidas made with Beyonce and all the other uh, artists that they have that are outside of sports. 
whether it be entertainers, um, rappers, whatever, people that influence culture. How does that well, impact? Because I mean, now with social media, these kids are looking at more than just what Athlon Sports Magazine yeah. with somebody on the cover to find out who the best players are. It's like all you have to do is go to YouTube, YouTube highlights. I mean, we saw Zion four years ago yeah. on YouTube. And our, quest, our question for watching the video was, yeah, okay, but look at the kids he's playing against. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Listen, man, listen, as someone who came up in the – height of the sneakerhead hype beast era, I can tell you for a fact that basketball is dead. It don't mean nothing. Like, it's basically lifestyle now. It's been a whole culture shift. Like, athletes, like basketball players don't sell shoes no more. You got to get a Beyonce to sell your shoe. You got to get a Kanye to sell your shoe. You got to get a Nipsey Hustle to sell your shoe. Like, that's what these kids are looking at now. Yeah. They don't care nothing about these basketball players because of the simple fact that that one guy is LeBron James, and he's 34 years old, so he's on his way out. And they haven't replaced him with anybody yet. And in that time that LeBron has been, like, the biggest thing in basketball when it was just him, that opened up a door for an entire new culture, a subculture of the of the sneaker world, and that's the lifestyle brand. So even when you look at it on that level, man, like basketball, at, right now, even though it might be at its biggest, when we turn, you know, when we talk about in terms of professional and the way that the game has changed, his status, culture-wise, is coming down a little bit, especially when you're talking about products like shoes. Man, what year? I think the last shoe that popped from a basketball player, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know how well the Kyries are doing, but I know the KDs were hot for maybe like two years, especially that, that, that low cut. And that might have been, what, 2013, 14? I mean, culturally, and, and I know Chris can speak to this, culturally, like in the past, 35 years, you've probably had three shoes that move the needle. You know, when you talk about the uh, the Concord 11. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else am I think? I'm 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 missing one. Any like any Jordan threes, like they retro the Jordan 388. That joint sold for 350 dollars out the box. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jordan that doesn't shoe right count. There. I mean, huh? you know, Jordan doesn't count. You know he. No, 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 no. Well, I'm just talking about just in shoes. Like, there's really yeah. only been, like, a couple of must-haves that move the needle on the shoe side. Yeah, so outside of Jordans, what have been the must-haves from a basketball player? I mean, you know, now it's um, – for basketball players, now there's not really – with the way just the, the infrastructure is, is way, way different. So mm-hmm. it's not even about, like, a – you know, you can have a certain model now that you like, but it has to be something else tied into it now. It has to be, like, either limited or, you know, there has to be, like, a certain uh, different type of energy around it. You know, gone are the days where, you know, you can... The first time you're seeing the shoe was when you walked in a foot locker, foot action. I mean, we already know what's coming out, like, two months ahead of time. Sometimes, you know, eight Eight, nine months. Nine months, yeah. Time. You know, I already know the Jordan releases on the, um, you know, in December. So it's just a different, it's just a different energy um, now. Everything is hype-driven. Everything is driven off of exclusivity. So, I mean, it's way, way different. I mean, I think Nike tries to do things, I mean, you, uh, with the self-lacing technology, but I still... You price people out of that. yeah. <laughs> And I still, I, I doubt I'll see a kid on the street with a pair of three hundred and fifty dollar 
shoes, let alone, you know, inside the gym. But, yeah, that's a tough one. I can't even think about it. I mean, so, I mean, you basically talking about a culture shift, right? Because you, you're talking about having a player that aligns with a shoe mm-hmm. that moves the needle. So you've only seen that a couple times. You've seen that, obviously, with Michael Jordan. Yeah. Then behind him, you saw Penny Hardaway. Yeah. And then after that, you saw it with Allen Iverson Vince with only Carter. one shoe. Yeah, Vince Carter. With, with literally only one shoe. And then they tried to make LeBron into that, and LeBron's shoes didn't pump like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got a Stephen Curry now. Like, you look at your big names, you got a Stephen Guys with, with signature shoes, but you got two of them. You got Steph with Under Armour. Um, you got KD with Nike. And, like, these guys are great. But that's not enough to move proud of. So again, that's why I'm saying back to the back to the whole culture thing. That's why you got brands aligning themselves with a Beyonce or a Nipsey Hussle or a Two Chains because they understand that, like even with James Harden, they threw all that money at James Harden. James Harden don't sell shoes like that. No, like ain't nobody standing in line to go get the new Harden. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? So that right there, like like the shoe companies are in a in a in a, in a really tough space because that. Basketball has always been the the driver of their product, and it's not that way anymore. Yeah. So I think that that's a bigger conversation that we can have about the game in general. Yeah, I mean, and just to go on top of that, it's not even – I think lifestyle is probably the bigger – like just that category is probably the biggest mm-hmm. silo now. That's why you have an Adidas partnering with Beyonce. That's why you have Adidas partnering with Yeezys. I mean, and then you look at other brands who've tried to work with – artists i mean nike nike travis scott or jordan travis scott you got jordan nike drake i mean it makes it makes great business sense and you've seen i think puma was uh nipsey um somebody what was meek mill was he with puma also you know moved to two different yeah i think he with puma yeah but i mean of course with they got bags and they signed aiden Mm -hmm. that was like the big boom. Yeah. And they add from a cultural standpoint. Artists, right. Right. You, right. Using culture people to lift up these basketball players. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's totally different. Like you said, yeah. everything has been like inverted. I want to point something else too. Cause I mean, you know, you, you see kids born in your family and you can remember the time, whether it's a, your own child or your niece mm-hmm. or a cousin. And then the next thing you know, the next time you see them at a family reunion, they're getting ready to go off to college or they're a freshman in college, and you're like, man, what at the time go? That's kind of how I feel about as a, that's kind of how I feel about what we're talking about as an NBA fan. Like I was there when we saw the marriage of culture and lifestyle to the NBA and how the NBA almost tried to fight it and start adding all of these rules for like dress codes and everything, and then how it just kind of took over. They couldn't fight it any longer. And that's kind of started with Allen Iverson. You started to see that. And now it feels like you've seen the child of that now coming into full maturity as like a teenager maybe, like 18, 19 years later, and it's what it is today. And now it's the lifestyle that pushes everything. And basketball is sitting on the foundation of that. And it's something that we've never seen before. And I don't even think – when we saw Allen Iverson be the guy that all the rappers and everybody wanted to be connected to and how he influenced the culture and how the culture started to be married to him mm-hmm. and the NBA, I don't think I ever could have imagined everything being what it is today. Like, I knew things would change, but I didn't think it would change like this. 
And I didn't think, you know, lifestyle would now be the thing that really pushed shoe culture. I mean, I think that's what happens when look at what it's grown into. I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah a billion dollar business now. So with that comes demand. You have demand, you have an almost oversaturation of things. I mean, you look at some of BC pointed to the James Harden deal. I mean, it's good that you got that guy, but what specific in terms of like businesses, are you getting your return back on that contract? I don't think you are. I mean, same thing when I look at Nike, now you have Giannis about to debut a signature shoe during the playoffs. I love Giannis as a player. I don't think he's going to move shoes just because I don't either. Yeah. there's not a kid in, you know, Chicago, Milwaukee that can identify with his story. Right. You know, so I wonder how they're going to market him just overall, like going forward. But even now when you got Zion coming out and more than likely, depending on what he does, he's going to have a signature shoe. But... I would venture to say the Zion shoe would do better than the the Giannis Probably shoe. Probably so, yeah. I mean, he's from the states. So. Yeah, I doubt it. And let me say this. Let me say this. And why why, do, you, why this. do you doubt it? You you think Giannis's shoe would do better than Zion's first shoe? It's not even about that. Okay. Right. So look, when you promote this podcast, I want you to pin what pin what I'm about to say. I want you to use this. It's right? gonna be the so first. Look. It's gonna be the first promo. This, Go in. This is it. The last cultural shift that happened in basketball and the reason why you had basketball and lifestyle merged was Allen Iverson. That was the last organic cultural shift in basketball and culture that happened. That was it. Everything else that you've seen beyond that has been manufactured, and that's why it doesn't work. Like There's nowhere you can go after Allen Iverson, right? Because your first cultural shift was Michael Jordan, and what he did was he made the game global. He took it from – he made Chicago the, the, the ground zero for basketball, and then it exploded from there. So right. he basically brought the world into the NBA and into by, – by, and by extension, American culture, right? And then Allen Iverson comes behind that, and his shift was, look, I'm from the hood because we understood, even though we had all these polished basketball players and things like that and guys who come into the arena wearing suits, we all knew where they was from, right? We all knew that they was from the hood. So Allen Iverson came and said, listen, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to be, and this is what you're going to get. So you're talking about cornrows. You're talking about big jewelry. You're talking about tattoos. You're talking about baggy clothes. Boom, that was it. Culture shift over. Anything that you see after that, is a mimic of those two people with Allen Iverson being the last. So when you see guys walking around with tattoos, I'm watching Andrew Wiggins right now with the braids, and, Ky- and uh, uh, Kawhi Linda got the braids, and D-Wade wearing the braids. All of that was Allen Iverson. There has been nothing, nothing at all, that has been a cultural shift that has changed the way we look at basketball. Everything else has been an imitation, including LeBron James. LeBron James came up in the Internet era, but when you look at that, he was really just copying off of two people, Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson. Yeah. That's it. There's been nothing original that has hit the scene. And most people would so try everything. to credit him with a business evolution as far as how players Ooh. look at business. I'm, I'm saying most people try to give him credit for his business acumen and how he's impacted other NBA players and how they approach their business off the court, going beyond the shoes and what the traditional streams of income were for NBA no, no, players. No, 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 no. They try to give him no, credit. But like you said, no, no, that's no, no, just no. that's just another branch off the tree of one Michael Jordan, and and uh, I think even Kobe 
did things quietly. Kobe was never even like Kobe wasn't even like a cultural type of dude. Like Kobe just kind of got caught up in the middle of that. He kind of came up in it, so he was a part of the culture. He wasn't anything. He wasn't anybody that drove it because they was already calling him an invitation to Mike. So there was really nothing that he could do. So you know, LeBron, what I'm so, LeBron to you has made percentage. Give me a percentage of how much cultural impact LeBron has made. You said he's pretty zero. much operated. Okay, go None. ahead, Chris. You because you what agree he, with that? What has he done? I mean, in terms of, we're talking about culture. Just culture. It'd be hard what has he shifted say. or what has he contributed to that has shifted the culture? Well, I think he's, in terms of, empowered a lot of players to look at things differently. That could be for the good and for the bad because now a lot of players are focusing on brand instead of the actual game. Allowing so, your game to be the foundation exactly. for your brand. Yeah, so now you see a lot of guys coming in. I'm not going to say any names, but... Getting stylists. Yeah, they're, they're I, on the bench. yeah, I've seen... I, I, I've I seen, see where you're going. You know, this this, <laughs> run, this runway into the into the thing. That's, that's people's brand now. I think he's helped shape that a little bit. But, I mean, I understand what BC's saying in terms of, like, organic culture influencing players. There's really only been, you know, Mike and... AI in just the last, what, 30, 30 years? I yeah. mean, if you go back beyond that, can you say Magic Bird? Can you say Dr. J? I believe so. Is there anybody on the horizon? Listen, let me let me, let me let me let me rebut that before you go to your next question right. about what Chris said. Culture is not players. Culture is the people, right? right? So LeBron James influenced players to care about their brand. And, 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 like, build their brands up. And people have taken their brands and made them much bigger than their games. But LeBron James has not has done nothing to influence the people who are fans of basketball and who watch the game. That's the culture. He hasn't done that. The only thing he's done is rolled a wave that was already created for him by the guy that he even said that he wanted to be like, which is Allen Iverson. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like, like I said, culturally, LeBron James has done nothing. He gets a lot of credit for things that he didn't really do. The only thing that he did was become the biggest superstar, the the first megastar of the internet generation. That's what LeBron James was. So now, if you now now if you want to chart that as culture, then yeah, he did that because he had probably more views than anybody when people was counting views. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody was googling LeBron James and going to YouTube to see LeBron James. So, if you could say that he did anything culturally, he made YouTube popular. But past that, in terms of basketball, nah, he didn't do anything. He just been riding waves the people that had already set before him. And as interesting as the playoffs begin on the 13th of April, even going back to the last two years, when they market the playoffs, it has not been the players. It's either been a J. Cole or it's been some some type of cultural, uh, whoever was hot culturally at that point, and their music introducing the playoffs and being the marketed, marketing tool for the NBA to go ahead and promote the playoffs. So I mean, you're right. Is there anybody on the horizon that you can see that might even be in high school that's coming that could be that next person to make a shift culturally? Or is that is impact? Is that impact done? I 
I think that impacted. Was AI the yeah. last one? We're yeah. talking about the shoes and how lifestyle has kind of like taken yeah, over. That impacted. Cultural impact yeah, as far as NBA with. players is over yeah, with. It's all, yeah. You can never, you can never top what Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson yeah. did for a culture. You can't do that. The only like, I tell y'all this offline, but there's only one other way that you could do it. I don't know if it could really happen, but there's only one other cultural shift left beyond what Allen Iverson and Michael Jordan brought. But we could talk about that off. Yeah, that, I, I definitely I kind of get where you're getting at. But yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I can't see anybody because everything is imitation mm-hmm. now, yeah. and everything is so instant now. There's nothing like I'm just trying to think if you know Mike came out now. Will his would his impact have still been what it still is? Same thing with AI. Right. If they're coming up right now. What would they impact? Can you imagine if Michael Jordan had the internet? Like what that would be? Like he might be the like he 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 could have been the first like trillionaire. Forget like black white period. He could have yeah. been the first trillionaire. Right. Yeah. If he had the internet, like Allen Iverson, like if he like he came up in the era of the internet, but the internet was still relatively new, and it's no it's not like a big thing like it is now. But yeah. he shifted culture off TV. You know what I'm saying? The same way that Michael Jordan did. They shifted culture off of TV. Imagine if they had the internet. It would be crazy. And it's funny because the shift not only happened culturally, when I look at AI and I look at Michael Jordan, I both look at them as rebels in a way. Like, I think MJ was a rebel as far as how the game was being played. Like, you had Magic and you had Bird both pretty much. Magic was a point guard, but they both were 6'9 guys that were skilled, Right. Larry just had a better shot, could score more, but they impacted the game in every area. Mike came and just changed the game. He was that guy that was like, I'm going to be that dude, and I'm going to overcome all of these teams. Of course, everybody would say, well, he still needed Scotty, he still needed Horace, but he was the first killer, in my opinion, that was just like, I'm coming to murder everybody. I'm going to be that dude, and this is how the NBA is going to be. And I'm a rain doing it like that until I'm done. And Kobe saw that, and Kobe wanted to be that dude. And then I think with LeBron, we kind of saw another shift back to, I'm just going to be this Magic Johnson-type skill, make my players better. The mindset changed. Yeah. So you start to look at these players, and you start to see like how the mindset changed and how it influences. Now, for a minute there, well, Shaq, was, I think, was the last of the big fellas that wanted to dominate, that wanted to be in the paint and dominate. Yeah, and after four, him, big four. fellas... Exactly. All they want to do now is dribble, show their skills, shoot threes. No one's trying to dominate, and the game has changed. I got another sub-question for that. Just with – and I always uh, have arguments with guys about this. I say it's less than 5% of guys in the league who really – like love to hoop. I mean, like in terms of legacy. That's that's interesting. In terms of legacy and – you know, I only know one. Man, I'm that just love to hoop. Right. Like this is yeah. what I this is this is what I do. Right. Everything now has Two. become business. Right. And people are like, no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, I was like, man, I'm I don't fall for the narrative. I see it. You can see it. You can see it on Instagram. You can see it with everything. Like there's only I mean, Giannis is one of those for me. Right now, I, I definitely have seen yeah, that this year. Where it's come across to me, it's just all about hoop. Like, that recent game between him and Joel, yeah, the way they were going we each other this guys past that week, just love yeah. to hoop, right? That's a dying breed. Yeah, that's a real dying breed. And I'm just looking at the guys that are coming up now, college, 
I mean, the stuff that these kids are being told at an early age and what the end goal is for them. I mean, you talk about, I hate to pick on this guy, but in terms of talent, there's no excuse for Andrew Wiggins not to be a beast. And like top, Much better. top three. Yeah. Yeah. Top three. So, I've had that conversation I've had that conversation with a lot of guys off the record. They say, Man, if that guy cared, I've heard that so many times. But like you just look at the generation we're in. Like Does that scare you? Oh, hell no, yeah. no, no, does that scare you about RJ Baird? That that scares well, me just about what we're gonna see the next the, ten. Do you to look at Zion years. and say that looks like a guy that cares? Like the way he yeah. plays the game. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I mean, and but like who how many years a lot of stuff can get taken away from you when you get to like the, the highest level, which right. is the NBA. Right. Money. All everything that comes with that money. Like so that's that's the scary part in just seeing like the players in the game now. I mean, they have all this money, there's too much access to a lot of stuff. The game just becomes, this is what I do to get this. I mean, like I said, there's only, I think, less than 5% who love the hoop. That's, you know, C4, man, you say that. And I really start thinking. Let me add something to that. Let me add something to that. Actually, I want to make an addendum to my point. I said the last shift that happened in basketball was Allen Iverson. I think that was the last shift that happened in basketball that was driven by a player. The most recent shift that we've seen happen in basketball has come culturally in terms of the lifestyle associated with the game, right? Mm-hmm. So the attention has basically been removed from what guys do off the court and been more focused on what they do. I'm sorry, what they do off on the court and more of what they do off the court, right? So now we we see in Instagram photos of guys walking to the arena with some of the stuff that they wear. Yeah. That's culture, right? So, so, so now you're seeing videos with like whole, like you're seeing cats with whole promo videos of them getting out the car. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Walking through the tunnel before the game, like that's, like that's the last shift. So, when you talk about like players and like the era that we're in now, I think a lot of guys are more comfortable with, or this era of basketball is, is more closely affiliated to me with the lifestyle of what basketball brings and less, and less about the competition. Yeah. So, like, we came up in the era when we saw guys beat up and we compete. You know, we saw guys compete, and we saw guys actually want to win. And I don't know if winning is as much of a focus on guys now because they play so many games and they play so much basketball. Like, there's no – like, there's nothing like they're really playing for. Because it's always on to the next game. There's always another game. There's always the next game. There's always the next game. And if you don't make it to the title, and if you don't win a championship, that's cool because there's always the next game, right? And so winning, to me, has become secondary to the money that you get, the fame that you get, the lifestyle that comes with that. You know, you rubbing shoulders with celebrities. Stuff that guys all did before, but that was never the focus. The focus is always basketball. So now that's why you have when you have basketball becoming more of a culture as opposed to competition, and that's when you can move cats in like rappers and Beyonces and stuff like that, to, and 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 inject them into what is supposed to be the culture of basketball. And it takes away from the game, and the players buy into it. Five percent to get back to UC four. That's really low. And when you said it, and then BC chimed in and said, "I only know one." 
that's beyond scary, especially guys like us that literally love the game. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking I, about, seeing an NBA where one day no one in the league truly loves the game, it is truly a business for everybody that's there. I don't even know if I want to watch that NBA. Oh, we're coming to that point. Like, I mean, how much? I don't, I don't even know don't if watch. I want to watch that NBA. Listen, man, I don't. I haven't watched that much basketball, NBA basketball, like admittedly, in the past three or four years. And I and and I've always been accused of being the old man shaking his fist time I get off my lawn. But like, I've seen it. Like, I've seen the 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 passion for competition dwindle. I've been in the arena. Where like, I mean, Chris, you—I mean, you know this. We cover regular season games, and it's like it ain't nothing. Guys just passing through, and I ain't talking about like just, you know. And that's how the home team treats it too. You don't really get that feel and that energy until the playoffs, when people understand like, yo, like you gotta win four out of these seven, and so the intensity ratchets up a little bit. But in the regular season, it ain't really like no dog fight. You don't even have rivalries anymore. What rivalries do you see anymore? Like so that, that 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 tells you right now that the competition side of it, that that the edge that made the game special is gone. And now everything else feels like a production around it. And that kind of takes away from from me, that takes away from the, you know, the purity of the game. That's you know what? Now we can kind of segue. Because now he's opening up, he just opened up a brand new thought in my mind. But we're looking at this. And we're not playing this for the love of the game anymore. Now, with all of these free agents, this it's like it's not a foregone conclusion that KD's going back to Golden State. If we indeed believe, like, this is a league where only 5% of these guys truly love the game and want to compete, now this, his decision to go wherever is truly lifestyle and business uh, influenced, spearheaded. So now does he end up in New York? Oh, that's even more believable. I mean, we've heard even on our podcast, BC has been saying since the summer, like, yo, he's looking at New York. Kyrie is looking at New York. And if everything is like that, I think the only rivalry, we might have saw the beginning of a rivalry, depending upon how things play out in this playoff, what we saw last week. Because it looked like Joel and, and Giannis wanted to go at each other. Like, this is... I'm taking this challenge. I want to beat you. You want to beat me. Let's do it. Other than that, I'm literally, my mind is twisted right now. I cannot think of any rivalry on the horizon no, they're, they're that no exists. Playoff. Like players Player or teams. Yeah, I mean, you can, you still, what they'll do is historically we'll say. We're we holding Boston. on to Lakers, yeah, Celtics. We'll say, we'll say Lakers, Celtics. What do we? We'll go. You know, to a lesser extent, Chicago, New York, but like none of or those. Or Detroit. We don't no, care about there's that. There's no animosity there at all, like whatsoever. Now that is a, a cultural impact. Well, not even a cultural impact, but that's definitely an impact. Oh yeah, that's of just, LeBron. Yeah, man, let me that say, right let me there say is definitely an impact of LeBron. I got a funny story now. You talk about you said New York, Chicago is like a rivalry. I got this super funny story, man. So like ninety, I want to say it was like ninety five, ninety six. First time I had ever went to New York, I was in the Bronx, and um, you know, local cats come through. I'm with a cat that's from New York. We stand in this crib or whatever, and it's me and my cousin, and you know, we get to talking about basketball because New York's a big basketball city. Chicago, big basketball city. Obviously, Bulls, Knicks, whatever. So they got to talking about John Starks dunking on the Bulls and this, that, and the other. 
And so, like, this conversation about that turned real aggressive to, like, yo, like, you know, when I was in Rikers Island or whatever, we used to play and, like, we used to be out there hooping and the guy would, you know, come to the rack and I would think it would be Michael Jordan and I'd knock him on his ass. Like, that's, like, that's what you're talking about. Like, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about when you're talking about basketball rivalries where it was like you got two cities when you got two players, like, whoever's supposed to be the best at their position. That's the type of stuff that's missing right now, and you can't have that when all these guys is competing not on the court but off the court, and that's what a competition is. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, you look at the general – I don't know if it's – for us, it's bad, but, I mean, that's just the way things are, and that's the way things are going. You look at the way – what the league rules are now – like, you can't get there, – there's no animosity between these guys. Most of these guys are either linked by – through agencies, you know, sneakers. AAU. Yeah, AAU. So I, if I've been playing against you since – if I've been playing with you and against you since I was 14, I really ain't got no animosity towards you unless we really – unless uh-huh. we're competing for the same spot. It's crazy. Because right. This we'd, might historically. Right. We'd have room together. Exactly. We'd, we'd have probably been on the same bread. flight. Yeah. yeah. Like, the NBA is basically a million dollar AAU league. That's what it is. Because look who the guys that you bring bringing into the league. These same guys have been playing with you since 13, 14 years old. So, where's the animosity? But that's what happens, you know, when you got the digital world, right? So, like, we used to read about guys in the magazines. We didn't know them. Right. We couldn't tweet them. Right. We Even couldn't DM we them. It, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there, like we didn't know it, yeah. them. Yeah, so it was all about, you know, it, it, that's when it was really Chicago versus everybody or Detroit versus everybody or L.A. versus everybody. That's when it was really that. It ain't that no more when, you know, when you playing in tournaments and camps and y'all spending the night with each other, y'all spending the week with each other, and y'all hooping and y'all laughing and y'all joking, y'all exchanging numbers, y'all texting each other in the off season. You kill the competition that way. I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that guys shouldn't be friendly or whatever like that. But you want to see competition, man. Like, I I don't want to see scores. You know, Chris talking about the league rules. Man, I don't want to see guys putting up 125 points a night, man. I don't want to see that because that means you're not, you're not really playing hard on either end. And the rules make it that way. So that also kills the competition where everything just becomes this vanilla bland of brand of basketball, I and mean, that's kind of how I see it. I've watched more college basketball this year than I have in probably the last 10 years, man, because just because I see that these guys are playing for something, like they understand that there ain't no tomorrow. And you asked about Zion, like does he, does he look like a guy who really cares? Absolutely. And that's what I like about him. He actually cares. He's actually out there competing. He's not trying to be friendly with everybody. He's trying to dominate you, and that's what I think we need to get back to in the game. We're going to go to Truth or Trash next right here, A2S, according to sources. That's your guy, BC. My guy, Chris Kaysen, SD2Mikes, C4 Dunk, and Mr. Craw, 4D. Follow us right now. We come back, Truth or Trash, we're going to put Paul Pierce in the hot seat, man. Put him in the hot seat right here on According to Sources. You're listening to According to Sources with BC, SD, and C4. Right here on A2S Network. Welcome back. According to sources, I'm your guy, SD2 Mikes. I got my guy, Chris Kaysen, 
C4 Dunk, and my guy Brian Crawford, Mr. Crawford 4D. Let's play a little Truth for Trash. Uh, Paul Pierce, Friday night, ESPN, NBA on ESPN. Sitting in with Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose. Of course, flowers are being thrown at the feet of one Dwayne Wade as he makes his retirement tour that's getting ready to come to an end. And uh, we thought the Heat would be in the playoffs, but it looks like they're going to be on the outside looking in. They got a chance. They got a slight chance, but we'll see how things pan out. They definitely need some help. With that being said, Paul Pierce was asked about his thoughts on Dwayne Wade. And, um, I think it was pretty safe to say that he was uh, pretty clear that he would take his career mm. over Dwayne Wade's. And if he had Shaq, well, just listen to it. That's easy. I can say that off the bat. That's me. <laughs> if you give me Shaq, if you give me LeBron, they did. They call the big three. Yeah, I, we got that late. But, like, early in my career. If I you, mean, what are you if doing If you right give now? me these guys early in my career. What, well, let me was, ask you this. What would have been a perfect time for you, Paul? Let's make sure we get this right. I was... 24 years old, okay. you give me Shaq. When I'm 24, 25, you give me LeBron and Bosh. I'll be sitting on five or six championships. Easy. All right, so that's Paul Pierce right there. The whole thing about if I had Shaq and LeBron, I would have five or six rings. First of all, <laughs> just look. I don't know why people use this to try to tear down, not in the term, but just to tear down somebody's career when they're looking at their individual accomplishments and even their team accomplishments. It doesn't take an Einstein to know that if you put great players with other great players, they're going to do better as a team. So we can remove that mm-hmm. as part of your argument. Stats-wise, as soon as Jalen Rose started going down the stats, he started copping a plea immediately. Like, well, no, nah. it's like, dude, statistically, you don't match up. Now, if you just want to take a step back and just look at the games, the individual games, and you watch them play, I do think Paul Pierce gets a raw deal by most, especially in this era. I think people don't remember how good he was, especially when he was there with a prime Antoine Walker and they were building Boston back up from where they were Mm -hmm. to get them to the point to even make the trade, to get Ray Allen and KG back there so they can become contenders and win that uh, NBA championship. And they might have won another one if – I yeah, can't KG's, even believe I yeah. say this. If KG doesn't get hurt and if Perk doesn't get hurt in game yeah. six versus, versus the Lakers, they they probably win that series because that was an epic game seven. Epic game seven. With all of that being said, just in my opinion, look, Dwayne Wade is a better player. That's my opinion. Paul Pierce, he's not a victim. So everybody out there on Twitter saying, well, ESPN, they put it in front of him. What did you expect him to say? This is how it works. They come to you in a pre-production meeting. They say, this is what we're thinking about. Are you cool with it? As talent, you have the right to say, no, nah, you know what, That's I'm not going to do that. Like, this dude is getting ready to retire. I'm not going to do that right now. But, no, you if you see Paul Pierce each and every week, he's throwing shade at Braun. He's throwing shade at he, – that's what he does. He's fighting for his place in the pantheon of, of NBA history. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Fight for it. But it's like, yo, in my opinion, it wasn't the time, it wasn't the place. You chose to fight, you agreed to it, and the Twitter backlash is something you signed up for once you went on national TV and said what you said. I don't have a problem with you fighting and believing you're better. That's fine. You believe you're better? Cool. But don't get mad when you get backlash. 
You knew what you were well, doing, and you knew what you were accepting. You knew. Well, now, I'm not cool with wifey and son and all of yeah, that jumping right, in. Yeah. It's like, all right, now y'all yeah. doing too much yeah. over at the Wade household. Take a chill pill, take a step back, and relax. But other than that, he, he wasn't a victim. So people first trying to stick all, up for PP? Nah, he wanted to smoke. First of all, I blame that on Beetle. Let me say. <laughs> Come on. Because. No, 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 so no, no. You just going to lay that on Beetle? Like she led him blindly? Off top. Because let me tell you, because this is, this is where the conversation flipped. I was trying to figure out where it flipped at, and then, I, and then I caught it. The conversation was, who had the better career, you or Dwayne Wade? Now, you talk about pre-production, you know I know how I go. I know you know how I go. They already knew what they was trying to get into, which means that Paul Pierce already had his answer set up, right? Yeah, because they know Paul Pierce. But when Beetle asked the question, she said, who is the better player, you or Dwayne Wade? And then from there, that's when it shifted to the career. So she came out the gate talking about who was the better player. That was never the conversation. Now, in Paul Pierce's defense, he made some very good points. Because Dwayne, listen, man, it's not all the time. It's, it's not about being good all the time. Sometimes you got to have a little luck. Sometimes stuff got to go your way. And Dwayne Wade had that happen for him. That is not his fault. At all. Dwayne Wade, no, 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 not at all. And what gives Dwayne Wade the edge in terms of the better player and career conversation, because I'm not I'm not arguing, like, we, me and you have a conversation. I am not arguing in defense of Paul Pierce. The only, the only defense I have for Paul Pierce is, one, the segment has his name on it, and, two, we know who Paul Pierce is. What, what do you expect him to say, right? But, you know, Paul Pierce, did make some valid points. Dwayne Wade did have some things that go his way. But what makes it what, – what sets Dwayne apart that Paul Pierce will never be able to establish himself is that Dwayne Wade is the clear-cut number three best greatest shooting guard of all time, period. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. Paul Pierce cannot – he can never defeat that. He can never beat that. Now, even if you want to talk about LeBron come, and, and Bosch coming to Miami, all of that, yeah, 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 we know that. But Mike, Kobe – Wait, that's it. Paul Pierce can't overcome that. So Beatles set him up with the question. She asked the wrong question, and then Paul Pierce gave his answers, and then people got mad about it. But I don't, you know, I don't, I don't blame Paul Pierce for for saying himself. What is he supposed to say? He's supposed to stick up for himself. So I ain't mad at him for that. Was he was he truthful in basketball sense? No. But did he give his truth? Absolutely. So I respect him for that. Yeah, I mean, I I respected it. I mean, we're talking about a guy literally that was. Two years, I mean, let's say, you know, his career ended two seasons ago. But in terms of, like, still competing at a high level, that was probably, like, three, four, three, four seasons ago. I mean, so, I mean, that's still kind of in his blood. He's still kind of, like, probably adjusting to, like. Yeah, you can tell every there. week. Yeah, of course. You can tell every this a, week. This is a guy who every basically week he's said solidly throwing. coming out of college, he thought Andre Drummond was going to be better than A.D., he said, he said, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, he said, he said a, a bunch of things, and I think they they set him up for that one. But when you when you ask any, that's like Kobe, like a few few weeks ago, they asked him, you know, rank himself amongst Mike and, oh, and he put himself number Gordon. one. Yeah, yeah, like you really think some guy's gonna say he's better than me, and I don't go head to head against this dude, and right? I, I done came up out on top a couple. He times. thinks he's better than LeBron. Yeah. He's supposed to. He's supposed yeah. to. I mean, that 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 
that's what's different from that goes back to guys that, that love the game. Yeah, they want to compete. Guys who hoop, who have like some semblance of pride. Like I don't know if you're on air and you're saying, "Hey, you know, I got to give it to that guy. Yeah, he's better than me." I I don't know how that. Doesn't bode well. I mean, it may be obvious, but there's re- there should be no player that goes on there and says, "Yeah, guy's better than me." Look, and even if you know it, you should never say yeah, it. You should never say it. Yeah, you should never say it. It should hurt you. Like, yeah, even admit you should it. never say it. Public, yeah. 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 So, like, like I mean, I'm okay. So, look, Paul Pierce is not gonna say, "Yeah, I was better than Michael Jordan." Nobody would say nothing ridiculous like that. Like, like Levar Ball said, like, like when you jump out there, jump out the window, <laughs> say something crazy. Yeah, people going to laugh at you. But listen, Paul Pierce, to his credit, and in his own mind, and I would not disagree, has as much right to say that he had a better career and that he was a better player than Dwayne Wade or LeBron James. He has as much right to say that because he is who he is. He is the truth. He is Paul Pierce. This ain't like freaking, um, 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 I don't know, name anybody saying that they was better. Like, this ain't like B.J. Armstrong saying he was better than John Stockton. Like, come on, man. Like, who's going to say something like that? You're not going to do that. But Paul Pierce, he got an argument, especially in his head. And, like I said, he's Hall of Fame. Dwayne Wade is Hall of Fame. Hey, man. And, like I said, he made some good points because you go back and look at them rosters. He played with some trash. But by his fourth year, he was in the Eastern Conference Finals, and it was just him and Twan. Go back and look at them rosters. Them boys, yes, the week was bad. But Paul Pierce, for a long time, didn't have nothing. It was just him and Antoine Walker, and that was it. I think D. Wade was making game winners in series clutch as a as a rookie, right? Yeah. But he had, but look, I by mean, his it was still, year, you it get, was it was him, Karan, and Lamar, right? And Lamar, the young squad, oh, right? And then the and then the second year, who he get? He gets Shaq, who coming off a Finals appearance, and then a year removed from that, a championship at thirty two. You get a thirty two year old Shaq in the East with no bigs. Okay, and the other best this, big, this is and my the other question. big is you, on your team. Would you punish? Would you punish Kobe's career because of that? Because no, everybody don't come into, don't get drafted into Shaq on that squad. It's like you can't, no, you can't the, do it. You can't do it. He wouldn't say that. That's my point. Paul Pierce wouldn't say that about Kobe. He wouldn't say, "Well, man, Kobe, Kobe got drafted and had Shaq." He wouldn't say that. That's a, but no, nah, but, but look, look, but here's the knock against Kobe. Kobe gets. Treated like a sidekick. Kobe wasn't yeah. no damn sidekick. Come on, man. Like okay, Shaq so you look at Kobe that first championship. You look at that first championship with Shaq. Was D Wade the sidekick against no, Dallas? D-Wade, Absolutely not. He's thirty two years old. He's thirty two years old. You got an eighteen year old Shaq and a, like a twenty two year old. I'm sorry, twenty two year old Shaq and an eighteen year old Kobe. That's not the same thing. My point is not even close. So let's cancel out the two championships in Miami. I'll just leave it at this and go look at their finals two? performances. The middle two. Look at the championship Paul Pierce won with the Celtics and look okay. at the first championship D-Wade had. And you tell me who had the better NBA Finals performance. Oh, Dwayne Wade. Okay. But that's it for me. We ain't got to talk about Braun and Bosch. But that's not – But, we don't but, have to, but and, the and look, at, was, look at that roster. Everybody on that D-Wade bro, roster, roster. Was, was almost washed. Bro. You had what? You had big names. Twan was on that How roster. How many Hall of Twan Famers was on that Twan. roster? Twan. Was Including, Twan Twan? Was Antoine Walker and Antoine Walker? How was, many Jason, Hall of was Jason was Williams? That was Jason Williams it that doesn't dude? Matter. Was Gary Payton it that matter. dude? Was Shaq himself? Mean? He was playing. Was Alon- Alonzo Mourning was coming back off a brand new kidney? How many Hall of Fames was on? Famous no, you on keep that talking about no, 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 Hall no, of no, Famers. No, 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 no. They Listen, were down yes, three. Listen, this is why it matters. 
right? Because you got one, you got Hall of Famers. You got guys who've been through the trenches, guys who chase and rain, guys who understand that this is my only shot and opportunity opportunity at a ring. One, that matters a lot. Secondly, you got guys who had already been in the finals, guys who had already won a championship, so guys who know what it's like to win and guys guys who know what it's like to lose. That matters a lot. Then you got guys who was on great teams. I'm talking about in one of the toughest conferences in history or one of the toughest times in the NBA history who went through them battles and went through the trenches with them guys who did one championship. And you came up short. That matters a lot. All of that, bro, a second-year player in the NBA, don't get that opportunity. Like like I said, it's the same thing for Kobe's career. You don't get who name one other player that's drafted into the position Kobe was drafted into? He came in free agency. That's what I'm saying. What Shaq are you came talking about? No, no, but, no. Look, it My was point just, was look, he was drafted to the Lakers. Correct. Right. Right. When he was drafted, what was the roster? How old was they when they won their first championship? How old was Kobe? BC. How many Answer years did it the take? question. Who Bro, gets how to? Many years it's did the it same take? thing. This is why I call BS on it. Nobody. Why? When they call Tom Brady to go. Nobody says Tom Brady was able to win two championships before he even became Tom Brady. When he won his first two, he was just a game manager. Statistically. Dwayne Wade's first, Dwayne Wade's first championship, he became Dwayne Wade. It, Kobe didn't become Kobe Bryant until like that second or that third championship. Okay, so, they, so now you're building my point. That's what I'm saying. What? What'd you it saying? doesn't matter that he has Shaq and whoever else. He became yes, D-Wade in you that know why? You know why? You know why it matters? Because he got some dudes when he was at 23 in his second year, second year in the league. Paul Pierce didn't get that type of help until he was nine years in the league, bro. Nine years. That's a difference. Like I said, so Paul, a lot Pierce, of guys, Paul Pierce takes over that finals just like D Wade did. Nine years later, no, at I'm talking about when he his second or third year in the league. I ain't talking about nine years later after he's developed. I'm talking about in that That's moment, what I'm saying. third year huh? in the league. He takes over that finals like that, Paul Pierce. He took over the finals. And, and, no, no, no. And, look, I'm asking you, would what? he take over that finals against Dallas like D-Wade did? Paul Pierce? Oh, certified killer. Absolutely. Come on, Ain't no doubt in my mind. DC, stop. You, you going to say, wait, wait, wait. DC, stop. You, you going to disrespect Paul Pierce? Man, you you gonna say Paul Pierce in his third year wasn't gonna kill? It it, it wouldn't have been not to that level. It wouldn't have been to the extent that D Wade controlled that series those last four games. But in the finals, man, I can't say Paul Pierce. I can't say Paul Pierce won the one of the most clutches, big shots making. I'm talking about to the extent that D Wade. I'm not questioning whether or not Paul Pierce is a killer. I said that when I initially started talking about. Oh, you talking about wait, 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 hold on. You talking about does he carry them? Yes. At 24 or 23, I believe he could have. He was doing a lot of heavy lifting in Boston at that age, bro. He was a by lot himself of in man. Boston, dude. Him and he was Twan by was himself. lifting. What? So Twan was wasn't doing himself. nothing. Twan was two years in. Twan didn't do nothing when he was there by himself. And then when they both got there. Twan was never uh, that dude. Man, what? Paul, Listen, Paul Pierce, immediately when he came in, I think by his second year, he was the leading scorer on the Celtics. By his second year. He's putting up the same numbers that Dwayne Wade was putting up at 23. Come on, man. So what that's you like, mean he that's like saying, That's like saying Zion could come to the Bulls and wouldn't be the leading scorer next year. He wouldn't. That's, that's possible. <laughs> you know it's possible it's that he could possible. be. That's my point. Uh, uh, 
It's like, possibility could be. Who was going to no, put up not the fight? Lead. Antoine? Al, not gonna, I mean, no, Al Jefferson? No, because you're not, you're not, you're not going to lead up. No team is scoring in on one plays for you. That's not going to happen. So, no, it don't matter where Zion goes. If they ain't running plays for him, he's not going to lead the league or nothing. That's just a fact. I'm talking about when you are the when you are the centerpiece of your offense, like Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker was, you're supposed to get them numbers. That's going to happen because the ball coming to you. So, when you're talking about taking over a game, Man, I've seen Paul Pierce do that at 23 and 24 years old, man. So it ain't no doubt in my mind that he could have done that. But we just didn't see it because he was stuck on a very bad team that wasn't winning a lot of games when Paul Pierce was putting up numbers. Okay, but so I, I think he has again, a point. He, he makes a point to say, when I got my opportunity, you see what I did. He did. But don't make but it seem no, the way, old. wait, don't make it that seem like, his, wait a minute, hold his on. Whole point don't was, make it don't seem know, like it's something wrong was. with the fact that D-Wade got no. the opportunity earlier than you. Because if that's the case, say that. the same thing about Kobe if you're Paul Pierce. You have to be fair. But you have to say no, the same thing don't. about every. Why don't you have to Why? be fair? No, 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 no. Because it's a different situation. It's a different circumstance. Completely and totally different. And that's what Paul Pierce was saying. Like, yo, you give me these guys when I'm 23 and 24, I'm running it. He's he not, first of all, he... he's not winning five, six rings if he has Shaq when he's 23. Huh? Why? He would have got one. Would... Shaq went to six finals in the West. Or five if he finals got in Shaq the West, why at the he... same time, wait a minute, because I have to take a step back. Huh? I have to take a step Hold back. He would have got. He would have gotten an <laughs> earlier version of Shaq. Right, because he's, oh, he's, older, than Dave, he's older than D-Wade. Yeah. So now I have, to, I have to think about that. Shaq. I'll give him two. Yeah. I'll give him two. Ooh, two bro, in the, in the East, well, we don't know. he would have ran it. No, no, we don't Shaq know. We can't that, sit here no, and Shaq say he would have been in the East. Shaq, we can say Shaq it might have happened that, if he had gotten – we're just saying we don't know how it would have happened if he had ended up on the squad with Shaq. Listen, we can't say, oh, Shaq, it would have been in Boston because Shaq would have been a free agent. We don't know how it would have gone. It we're doesn't just, matter. Shaq was the dude you had to beat. You had I to agree beat with them. So if you lined up with him, you finna win all the championships. Okay, so once again, he would have been able to have the same luck or blessings that D Wade had, and people no, would have shaded D-Wade him. D Wade got second. D Wade got second thirty-two. Ain't nobody shading D Wade for that. The only person that get D- shaded for playing with Shaq is Kobe. I don't think Kobe should get shaded. He shouldn't. I don't think but Kobe should get shaded. I just don't. No. And people think I shade him when I say, "Look, he wasn't the best player on the squad," in my opinion. For the first one. The second one is debatable. And the third one is super debatable. So that's that. So now if you're comparing them to Mike, Mike was that dude with all six. So for me, that's yeah. like, all right, that tilts the pendulum one way for me. That's the only time Kobe, I bring up something like that. I never Kobe use. Kobe was the man in two of his I'll three. Never he use, was the man in two of his three. I'll never use another man's roster and what the organization was able to put around somebody to try and disparage what he did in his career. And that's the thing. I don't, I don't think, think he was didn't... trying to he wasn't like, doing that. disparage. Well, he I just... don't think that's a fair – that's not a fair – like, I made the point. Okay, you don't have to make that point. No, that's common. That's we, pretty common we, sense. We have to look at it from, like, the competitive angle. If you got four people at this, at this table with you and they're all in agreement that, hey, D-Way had the better career for you, you go, you, you go, on the, you go in defense mode. So, like, hold on now, like – I see what he did. I see the situation he was put in, too. So as a competitor, you're going to start break. Like, all right, now let's really break it down. Like, since mm-hmm. y'all think, you know, that dude is that much nicer than me, 
Like, what if I would have had this if I was there? I don't think it was, like, disparaging. I mean, he's just pointing out, hey, I mean, everybody's situation is going to be different. And he had a lot of differences in the situation. But the one thing you can't say about Paul Pierce is that when he didn't, when he did get a squad, he knew what to do with it, and he won with it. So you can't take that from him. I never will. Like, not at all. So that's what I'm saying. Like, for him to even bring up, like, most people try to make it seem like, well, he only won because he got KG. I'm like, yo, when he got him, he he was the spearhead. It wasn't yeah. like, like you could say that about LeBron. He didn't he didn't he didn't win until he got D Wade and Bob. It's rare to ask. I don't. He might. Well, I'll take that back because I know BC will argue with me about this because we've argued about this before. He's one of what? only two people that can probably say I faced Kobe in the finals and outplayed him. Who Paul Pierce? Uh, Paul Pierce outplayed him. He outplayed him in that final yeah, BC. That, I mean that that's uh, in all seven games. Man, that's that's hard to say just because of like <laughs> BC, how great see, that BC, Celtics defense I, was. I go back. That Celtics, I look at the stats. That they were defense was was, was ridiculous. Right, because they could that's, they could that's put one of the top Tony, five. They could come with Tony Allen. Man. They could put Paul they had on James, them. They had James Posey. They too. had James Posey. Man. So yeah, Kobe definitely was looking at a man, yes, like a long arms, list of elite, elite <laughs> defensive players, and this is why I get BC so riled say, up. So the other person say, that outplayed that outplayed Kobe in the series is Rip Hamilton. Wait a minute. So you sent five people at Kobe, and you ain't got them same three. You ain't even got three to send at Paul Pierce, and they say Paul Pierce outplayed Kobe. It's just a thought, BC. Just a thought. Man. No, that don't make. I hope that don't make sense. I, I hope too. That don't make sense. What do you mean it doesn't make sense? If listen, if you can send five people at me that I gotta go through, that means I'm seeing a new wave and a new person every day. And my opponent, the other person on the other squad who is the best player on their team, like I'm the best player on my team, mm-hmm. ain't got nobody to deal with. Yeah. How you gonna say he outplayed me? When the Bulls are playing the Pistons in the early 90s, did Zeke ever outplay Mike regardless of who won the series? Let me tell you, okay, let me ask you, let me answer your question with a question. Does anybody ever say that Gary Payton outplayed Michael Jordan? Do they say they shut him do they say Gary Payton shut him down? Has who who has ever said Gary Payton shut Mike down? Oh, I've heard that. From who? You go back to the, uh, a lot of people. That is that is popular opinion. Are you speaking of Michael, these finals? Who said that? Yeah, who said this? The finals? What, what, that GP shut down Mike? That's what you heard? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I need to meet these people you talk to. Oh, yeah. Now I see why you be arguing. I don't want to meet those people. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. That he shut down Mike. Are these these, uh, Seattle residents? No, these basketball fans. And and, And basically their argument is like, look, prior to like, you know what I'm saying, when he ran up on, um, on Seattle, dude put up like 30. He ran up on GP and his average was like 24 or something crazy like that. <laughs> I had to go look at the numbers. Now, I'm not going to never say that, but that's, but, but that's my point. That's, they are, like, yeah. that's the same that. thing we used to hear so from, that's, about that's, Joe Dumars. Like, oh, Joe Dumars, Dumars held him to 28. Yeah, it's like, like, okay, all right. I mean, so yeah, know. but that, when Michael Jordan, he had a season where he averaged 37. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you hold him to 28, that's you doing something. Uh, Keeping him from 40. I guess. 28 to 37, that's a big leap, bro. That's a big leap. Big leap. Still, I, I mean, so 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 if Michael Jordan has come through come through the playoffs averaging 35 and then he run up on GP and he averaging 26, you 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 might have an argument. But ain't nobody fool enough to say that Gary Payton shut down Michael Jordan. Gary Payton won't even say it. He'll say he made it tough for him, but he ain't stop him. So that's what I'm saying. 
with the Kobe thing, you can't, you cannot say that he got shut down when they sent five people at him and Paul Pierce was free to work. We never, we never said, I never said he got shut down. I just said, said Paul outplayed Pierce him. outplayed him in that series. Of course. Well, I mean, if you want to look at it, who was, who was Gardner? Lamar Odom? Devin George? Was Devin George even on that team? No, Devin no. George wasn't starting. <laughs> Because the following year, when they came back the following year, and finally when they finally got to him, that's when Artest joined him. Mm-hmm. Artest was guarding Paul Pierce. And Artest was the difference maker. And, and they lose the first one because Powell wasn't ready. Right. So I never say anybody shut Kobe Bryant down. I would, the only thing I'll say about Kobe Bryant is I've seen him quit. That's it. That's the only thing I can say. Right. But I can't even say nobody shut him down. So for Paul Pierce, BC, it's truth. What he said, C4 gave him a truth. And he gave his truth. Yeah, he, he gave, gave his truth. I mean, there's no competitor that's ask D Wade this like next year. Say whose whose career would you rather have, yours or Kobe's? As much respect as you have for Kobe, he still wants battles. Yours. Yeah, you're not gonna say ah. same thing with Le- LeBron. If he talks about LeBron, no, like course supersede him in like points and all this other stuff. He's not gonna give it up. Like you know, that's my guy. But I'm not gonna say he. That I can I can compliment him yeah. without you know discrediting myself. I was like, hey, we myself did, yeah, exactly. We did different things. We brought different things to the game. Man, you talking about guys going to the Hall of Fame, man? Yeah, like, you ain't gonna never you ain't gonna never hear no Hall of Famer say that another Hall of Fame was better than yeah, that. You, you gonna never hear that. What got these guys to the careers right. they had? Like, there's no they didn't give up anything. So to be on national TV and to have somebody ask you, whose career would you rather have, yours or D-Wade's? Yeah. Or essentially, who's the better player? Like, that's almost like a slap to the See, face. For me, it was never about what he said and him speaking as truth. you just looking at the I'm just the looking at the, at the that, back. No, no, it wasn't even conditions because I know the trick bag, mm-hmm. like BC talked about, like what Beatle said. But I also know in pre-production, I'm like, dude, you already know, like, they know you. Yeah, so they they, so they, they said, know they, how you're gonna come said, at it. They setting you up. So it's like, but you know you're being set up. Like, don't act like you just blind in this. Like you go into this segment wanting to shade. You've been doing it all year. So it's that's cool. It's his segment. So do you. Mm-hmm. But once you do you, don't don't try to play victim because you're getting backlash now on Twitter. And now cats caping for you like, oh, he what did he points. say it's though? Like, no, no, no. This is my point. He didn't say this is my he point. One in this era, the social media era, you know when you make certain statements, you already know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Don't let's not act like you went to this blindly. So when you make it, be prepared. And that's it. And you don't have to cape for this cat. His career, if you know basketball, Paul Pierce is Paul Pierce. Mm-hmm. The backlash, of, was, the backlash, of, and with this, with this generation, they have gotten hooked to that Draymond five-second clip. They don't love you like that. You ain't Kobe, which was disrespectful, but it stayed with Paul Pierce for this young was, generation. Well, I mean, Beautiful. for me, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was, it was right, perfect timing, yeah. which is comedy in yeah. a sense. It, perfect timing. Yeah. The trash talk. Because I don't even know that where, Paul, where, Paul where was talking it? trash oh, to Paul, him. Okay, all right. And was telling Blake Griffin mm-hmm. that's all day. Yeah. When he was posting up Draymond. 
Like, that's all day. Put them in the mix. Do that all day. Draymond was like, dude, you out here trying to get that retirement? No. That farewell tour? tour? Like, Kobe, they don't love you like that. And Man, funny. the only thing Paul Pierce get killed for is the dramatic stuff with the wheelchair and everything. Like he said, like <laughs> Paul, game seven, like yeah. He get, yeah, yeah. yeah, like he get like he get killed for stuff that really ain't got nothing to do with basketball. Like, and, and he was lucky. Like memes wasn't a big thing because oh, he would have really been a meme yeah. in the in the, in the whole wheelchair, man. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? But like the Paul Pierce stuff to me is almost like how people feel about Charles Barkley. Like you see him on TV and you think he couldn't really hoop for real. Yeah, and since you go, I'm like, hold on, let me evaluate that. Yeah, yeah, so, like, Paul Pierce is kind of like the same thing. Like, nobody really saw him play. He's just some dude talking on TV, some old cat who used to play in the league, and people really don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, we come back, talk some NBA playoffs. Most people say, why are y'all even talking NBA playoffs? You know it's going to end up the champion. But I want to ask a couple of interesting questions to both of these guys about what we might be seeing established in these playoffs. BC, C4, SD. A2S. We'll be back. You're listening to According to Sources with BCSD and C4. Right here on A2S Network. If the Bucks can hang on, the magic number for the top spot in the East and the best record in the NBA will be one. Into Giannis. Straight away for two in a row. No. Long rebound. Right back to Giannis. Blows it up on Damari Carroll and slams. 119-110 Bucks. Giannis now up to 26 in the game. Welcome back, A2S. Going to go ahead and preview the NBA playoffs just a little bit, but we're going to come at come from a totally different angle. We're not about to sit here and preview all these series, first round, the second round, and Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, a couple of podcasts back, we talked about whether or not the Celtics could right the ship and come out of the Eastern Conference. At that point in time, I believe, BC, you said it was a wrap. You said the eyes of Kyrie were already on where he wanted to go after this season was over in uh, free agency. And with that being said, I just want to look at right now the possible matchups. You got Milwaukee facing Detroit or either Miami if they get help. You have Toronto facing Orlando, Philadelphia against Brooklyn, and Boston against Indiana, which you have to remember Indiana is without Victor Oladipo. So that, in my opinion, could be a possible sweep, even though Nate McMillan, in my opinion, has done enough to earn Culture of the Year uh, to receive the award, in my opinion. It's a couple of other coaches that have had just as good of a year, but Nate McMillan would be my choice for Culture of the Year in the NBA. Let's go out to the West. Golden State faces off against the Spurs. Denver faces off against OKC. Denver has been sliding back a little bit, haven't been playing well the last two weeks. Houston's going to end up facing the Clippers, and then you have Portland against Utah. Um, Nothing that really stands out from a first-round standpoint, but if I go back to the Eastern Conference, what we can see, the matchups we will see, not can see, but we'll see in the second round, look, Milwaukee against Boston and Toronto against Philly. That's that's when it gets real. Yeah, That's when it gets real, and that's when legacy – is going to be made for certain players. You know, Kawhi, what's on the line for him? Joel Embiid, what's on the line for him? Ben Simmons has not impressed me the second half of the season. I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know if I'm expecting too much from him or am I expecting his game to develop, but I just haven't seen what I need to see from a number one overall pick and the hype that he gets. Milwaukee-Boston, 
does it simply come down to Giannis versus Kyrie in that series? No. Because this is what Kyrie, according to his own words, this is what he's been waiting for this time of year. Like, is this simply Kyrie just turning the light on and carrying this team by this Milwaukee Bucks team that's the number one overall seed in the playoffs, period? Best team in the NBA? No. He's going to have to understand now things, you know, throughout the course of the season, they've been through so much, and you still had guys trying to, you know, figure out where they're going to get shots, you know, what their role is. I think the playoffs helps that because now you go – Eight, eight, maybe nine-man rotation. So you already know what's being asked of you, you know, for this specific team. So there is no confusion, like at all. So I think that helps Boston. And you know, I think one of the things that a little bit of underrated asset that Boston has against a, a player like Giannis is Horford. You know, a big, but a guy who can still move you know, to make things tough for them. I mean, that I, I don't I don't get the logic of putting centers on Giannis at all. <laughs> I understand like just from a physical standpoint, it helps they cannot move with him. I think Horford is, you know, still quick enough to be able to keep up with him and still strong enough to be able to like provide a wall there. But you still have to get out to those shooters there. Milwaukee's not going into the playoffs healthy. Yeah, how important is the the loss of Brogdon? Bro, Maybe he makes it I back mean, to the second Nico, round. Yeah. I mean, Pal Gasol, who they acquired, like who knows what he's at, uh, who else. Even like Chris Middleton, I think, is on the minutes uh, restriction. Giannis has had, you know, ankle and calf injury. So they're going into things, you know, kind of beat up. So. But from, from a coaching development standpoint, what I've seen from the guys like Pat Connaughton, DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown, especially in that game against the Sixers, they fit Bud's system. Mm-hmm. Like, Bud knows how to use them. But it's totally different, oh, regular man. season to postseason. Man, so different. you can't depend on those three guys to, like, show up mm-hmm. in critical moments and make the plays they made in regular season games. Mm-hmm. Tony Snell, so the you, hero. You go with the team that's, that doesn't have Tony Snell. Nah, man, I mean, look, the top four teams in the East going to advance. We already know that. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? So – by the time you get to the, you know, the second round, or, you know, Boston and Milwaukee, the injuries do play a part, um, and I think I think depth really plays a part. I think um, I think Boston is probably a deeper team than Milwaukee, but I think Milwaukee is the better team, and they have just, I mean, they basically got the guy that could potentially be the MVP in the league. So that that makes a huge difference because there's nothing that you can really do to stop Giannis. He's pretty much going to do whatever it is that he wants to do. The problem is, like, you know, can you stop everybody else? So, you know, you said about Horford. Horford's great. I think he's old, you know, and I don't think he's much of an impact player anymore. You know, how does he how does he offset a guy like, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez? Or, you know, how does a guy like Marcus Smart offset, you know, even a hurt Chris Middleton. You know, all of that stuff kind of plays in, you know, plays into it. And then you also have to think, you know, you got the point guard matchup, you got Bledsoe and Kyrie, and that's just two dudes who are going to let each other score on each other all day. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think in that respect, that all is going to come down to the home court, which obviously is, is going to be Milwaukee. And I think Boston just has a lot of, 
they haven't been able to get a whole lot of Gordon Hayward. He, he isn't where he needs to be, and I think that's going to make a huge difference. Um, so, but I think I think Giannis is poised to make a lot of noise in this playoffs as the best player in the East. And you know, I don't the Walkers. They're going to be a tough out, man, especially having to play at home basically every series. I asked this question. I think DC wasn't on the line. We kind of got into it on one of the other podcasts. If Giannis makes it to the NBA Finals this year, are we seeing the beginning of his dominance of the Eastern Conference? Um, it could be the start. Maybe. But yeah, it could be the start, but a lot, a lot is depending on what happens this summer. You might see his dominance in the in the East, but you could see his potential dominance in the in the NBA. Because you got you know you got to think like the West is gonna look totally different after this summer, starting with starting with Golden State, and that's gonna make a huge difference. Like you know if they lose KD or if they lose uh, Draymond, they immediately stop being the favorite in the West, and then you got you know you also then you're gonna get back to the LeBron conversations and stuff like that. So you know Giannis is really in a good spot. They, the Milwaukee is in a great spot. Is there any team that you're looking forward to you don't think they're going to advance, get to the conference final, or get to the NBA finals, but you just want to see how they operate? Uh, Brooklyn and the Clippers. Those are the two teams well, you want to see. Yeah. You want to see two. I mean, because just in terms of what those two destinations, in terms of where they're at, like and other free agents that are going to be looking at how those players play in the playoffs, I mean – They've seen it all year from both of them with Doc coaching and Kenny Atkinson coaching. But if they can make things difficult on whoever they face, like that's another, you know, that's just another plus. It's a showcase for this summer for them. Exactly. To getting a guy over there because, you know, all superstar level talent love playing with good role players, guys that know how to do their job and do it at a high level. You really think somebody, one of the top free agents, would even truly. I'm not talking about – I'm sure they'll get a meeting mm-hmm. and a sit-down. But would a KD or a Kyrie really – well, Kyrie, I don't even know if the fit is there because they have D'Angelo. But would, yeah. a, would a KD say, I'm going to truly going to consider the Brooklyn Nets? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, sound, it sounds far-fetched, but crazier things happen. So, I mean, you'll – I mean, just getting meetings from where they've been for so long – Yeah. Like, just getting that ball rolling, I mean, think about it. I mean, this is a team that hemorrhaged its future just bringing KG, Pierce, yeah. Jason Terry there. And now look where they're at. Like, look at what they've built up to. I mean, like you said, and you you don't want to play. Like, you still get the, um, the benefit of playing in New York, mm-hmm. you know, without having to deal with, you know, as much as the headaches that come with playing for the Knicks. That clip joint versus Houston was going to be an interesting series, in my opinion. And I'm not saying that they're going to upset Houston. They're going to – I mean, whoever they face, they're going to – they can make things. Yeah, because, like I mean, especially you get to the fourth quarter against most, team, most teams, it's like, okay, Houston has James Harden. Yeah, and but this series is like, uh-oh, yeah, the they Clippers, got Lou Will. Yeah, the Clippers got they guys got Lou, that, can, that can close. Like, hurt you a little right, bit, too. Right, I mean right. – you know, with the way Pat, but you don't really want to be, especially the first round, you're looking at, like, man, this should be a breeze. But then you got a guy like Pat Beverly guarding you. 
I don't trust no playoff team with James Harden on it. <laughs> to do nothing except lose. What did you think? I don't know. Did you hear? Let's go ahead and play this. Don McClain, color analyst for the Los Angeles Clippers. He gave his thoughts on one James Harden. So I just feel like, Ralph, this style, what Harden does, is manipulating the game somehow, like almost like cheating it somehow. And I don't really have a thought beyond that other than I'm watching something that isn't basketball. Like, to me, basketball's player movement, ball movement, design plays, not just a guy walking it up and isolating every time. Who else could do this? You know, it's not like within the system he's getting all these numbers. The system is built for him. Well, there you go right there. Don McClain, former UCLA Bruin, former NBA player, now color analyst for the Los Angeles Clippers. Pretty much saying the way that James Harden plays the game, he feels like he cheats the game, the way he plays. What, what do you think about that, BC? That he cheats the game? He cheats the game. The way he plays. I don't think he's game. I think I think he takes advantage of the rules and 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 the rules are played or made for a player like him. You know, I I go back to what Jimmy Butler said on the Knuckleheads podcast. You know, he was talking about James Harden and you know Q was talking about you know the stuff that he do being a travel, everything like that. Um, even if it is what it is, you know, like Jimmy Harden. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, like. Uh, Jimmy Butler said, you know, that's still a tough shot, man. Like, you still got to make that shot. Right. And not everybody can make that shot. You know, even, you know, stepping back and the upper body strength and, and, and the coordination and the time and, and, and just working on that shot every single day, that's still, you know, that's a very tough shot to make. I don't think James Harden cheats the game. I think James Harden, well, I think it back. I think he could be accused of cheating the game because in the playoffs, he doesn't seem to me, and I've watched him for several years now, it doesn't seem to me to play with the same intensity when it matters versus when you just, you know, you just play with a different team every, every single night. And I've always said that, you know, I attribute that to coaching and guys making adjustments. And, you know, you having to win four games out of seven. When you're not playing a different team every night, you're playing the same team. And so they, they know what you're doing and they know what your tendencies are. And that's the, always the biggest knock that I've had on James Harden is that I've never, to this day, I've even going back to Oklahoma City, I've never seen James Harden elevate his play when it matters the most. When it matters the most, I've seen James Harden shrink from that moment. And so, for me, I can't ever believe that he's going to do anything in the playoffs until I see it. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt for me no more. So I don't, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with McClain, but I see what he's saying and I get his point. Um, I mean, this is coming. You know, when he was cooking the Clippers. So, I don't, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of yeah. bitterness coming yeah, from Don I mean, McClain. It's, it's like, you know, it's the Homer analysis, man. You, I think every everybody has, you got Tommy Heisen in Boston. You have uh, Sean Elliott. Who Yeah. Always saying something crazy. San Antonio. I mean, you know what the most ridiculous thing I ever heard, and I'll never forget this, Neil Funk when he's on the radio side, Right. And um, I want to say it might have been LeBron's second year. Mm-hmm. They were playing Cleveland. The Bulls were playing with Cleveland. It was like the spring. So it was like right before the playoffs. Might have been like March or something like that. And LeBron had a tough shooting night with like seven, eight turnovers. And the Bulls ended up like beating the Cavs. 
with like Lou and Kirk and that yeah. squad. And Neil Funk says, I, I don't see what all the hype is about. Like, he just doesn't impress me. And I'm like, Neil Funk, what, dude? Listen, yeah. I have heard a lot of people, a lot of people say they don't like James Hunt's game. They don't like to watch me play. Yeah. I'm one of them. I don't, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Houston games. I don't like to watch him play. Like, there's nothing about his game. And this goes back to, like, arguments that I've had. His game is a, is a great Drew League game. Like I mean, summer league I had game. you just want to see like, a dude drop 50 mm-hmm. and be entertained. I'm on the fence about him even being a superstar, like wow. by definition. I'm on the fence about that. Simply because, yes, I mean, yes, he's a name. He's a face in the NBA. But, hell, man, who who, who, who coming out to see James Harden in the wintertime? James Harden ain't no, ain't no, ain't no marquee name like that. You talking about outside, James on Harden. the road. So he comes to your arena. Like, yeah. Like, no. Nobody's saying, like, but oh, that, James Harden is coming to town tonight. Nah, man, the circus is Steph. That's it. And nobody, like, nobody is coming to see these dudes play. And like I said, that goes back to the early conversation about just what basketball is. Well, we romanticize it, and we kind of, like, juxtapose it against those great eras, that, which was really the 90s and the early 2000s, and then we try to lift, artificially lift this era up and things like that. It's really not, because you don't have that same type of connection to the players anymore. And, and I don't know if that's based on social media. I don't know if it's just oversaturation or overkill, but there is not a player in this game today that's going to make people come out the house. Now, Zion, Zion Williamson probably will be, but he will be the first in a very long time. Very long time. Now, it's funny you said that. I definitely think he'll do it as a rookie. I went out, yo, I'm like Trey Young. I want to see Trey Young at the UC. So I got up and went to see Trey Young. Other than, like, the Le- I'm over the LeBron thing coming to Chicago. So it's, I can miss that. I, I, I can't. This goes back to our other conversation. Like, man. Yeah, it's not too many guys that I literally want to say, oh, when he comes to town, I got to see him. Oh, I've, I've, I've had NBA. this argument so many times. It's because there's only, in terms of superstar names, there's only, we go back to that 5% who actually love to hoop. There's probably like a handful of guys that, hey, you know what? I got tickets to see, you know, Such Kyrie coming in. I not even the team. See, yeah, LeBron coming in. You, it's like, man, you know, my wife is due this Man, I might have to. Right. I might have to put right. this to the yeah. side, right? Yeah. I'll find yeah. a way to make it yeah. happen. The tickets to Hamilton right. or, hey, you know what? Right. Ky- Kyrie's coming. Kyrie's in. Golden coming. State coming. I might have to. It's only a handful that's of my... those guys in the in the league. Yeah, I mean, that's not nobody getting you out the house like that. So the league don't really, that's what I'm, that's the point. Like, the league, the league really don't have that marquee guy. And it was like I don't even think they really did anything to try to, and I don't, I, I don't even know if there's anything they could really do. But like they rode LeBron for so long, and like there was never anybody who really came up. And I think it was just the way that they positioned LeBron is that like you really couldn't, you weren't even given a chance to appreciate anybody else because it was just him. And then the argument was everybody under him was just trash, and or not trash, but not as good. And so that kind of stole their lust a little bit. So that's it's another conversation too, you know, about LeBron and free agency. That's you know, that's one of the reasons why I've always said that nobody really wants to come play with him and why he can't get anybody to play with him is because the way he's been elevated for so long, like people really and truly want to beat him and they don't really want to be part of that circus. And so but that's why I'm saying the league really has a has a has a problem 
in terms of how does it how does it advance the product beyond name and player recognition and team recognition. I don't I don't know if they can do that anymore because there isn't that transcend that transcendent player organically who can do that without them having to like artificially pump pump them up and manufacture it. Right. All right. Last question before we t- turn over to this lottery and get out of here. No, I'm just going to ask it simply. Mate, is there anybody getting one game against Golden State? I think that's what you're hoping you get, two. I think Houston, if they play defensively like they've been playing, um, you know, since the All-Star break, they can get two. They can. They actually, I think, have the best chances out of any to make things really, like, interesting on it. I still have to see what Milwaukee – can do because when I hear things about hey we just want to get out the first round it's like God, you that's you, it you guys are the best team record wise in the league yeah okay like your your sights are have you to know, be set elevated. a little bit higher yeah. than that yeah you know I understand you know wanting to clear that first hurdle that'd be good if you're like a five seed or something but like no you guys have played this way all season long so now you know the the range of what your expectation should be. Evolved so, but in terms of Golden State, it's you just want somebody that can make things interesting. I think Houston is probably the best, the best shot of that. And a lot of things are always going to come down to does James Harden like sustain the play he's had like throughout the last what four months of the season, or will he tire out? Chris Paul health. And that's about it. I can't see nobody from the East really giving them. 16 to no. They run the table. Ain't nobody beating them. <laughs> nobody beating them, man. Y'all been watching DeMarcus Cousins? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You turn them loose in the playoffs, no minute restrictions, just let them go? Forget it. Who's going to beat them? It's as simple as that for you. That's it. I, I always said, like, yo, that's the X factor right there. It don't matter what they do in the regular season. When they get a healthy Boogie Cousins back, ain't nobody going to beat them. The ninth pick will be made by the Charlotte Bobcats. That means that the Chicago Bulls have moved up into the top three. Third pick in this year's draft will be made by... the Minnesota Timberwolves. The second pick goes to the Miami Heat. And that means the number one pick in the 2008 NBA draft will be made by the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls haven't filled their head coaching vacancy yet, but they will have the number one pick to take home with them tonight. Most people in Chicago are hoping for the same magic that they Received in the 2008 NBA Draft Lottery, the Chicago Bulls ended up with hometown point guard Derrick Rose and changed the fortunes of their franchise. We're coming up once again. They're looking for a little bit of luck because the draft lottery will be held here in Chicago. And Chicago fans, Bulls fans, are hoping that with the 12.5% chance they have to get the number one pick, that that's enough to get that number one pick and hopefully select Zion Williamson and change the fortunes of this franchise once again. So this is how the lottery goes. Top three picks, they all have 14%. 
looking at the Knicks, the Cavaliers, and the Phoenix Suns. Then you have the Bulls at 12.5, Atlanta at 10.5. I'm with UBC. I would love to see Zion down there in Atlanta. No, you said that C4. Yeah. I'm sorry. Then it's Dallas at 9%, New Orleans at 6.8. Then you have the uh, Washington Wizards at 6.7, Memphis 4.5, the Lakers at 3.0. If the Lakers win the lottery, dude, the fix is in. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. The fix is in. Mm. And that, hmm, from one, Brian Crawford is letting you know mm. there's a distinct possibility. That that mm. <laughs> Minnesota, 2.2%. Charlotte, 1.5%. Miami, 1%. Sacramento, 0.5%. The Cavaliers owe the Hawks a first-round pick via the Cal Corver trade. It's uh, protected 1 through 10. Grizzlies owe the Celtics a first-round pick via the Jeff Green trade. That's protected 1 through 8. The Mavs owe the Hawks a a first-round pick via the Luka Doncic trade, and that is protected one through five. The Kings' first-round pick, which was owed to the Sixers via the Nick Stauskas trade, is now owed to the Celtics via the Markel Fultz trade and is protected only if it's the number one overall pick. Where do you think he's going to land? Like, if the envelope is cold... Like the the rumored <laughs> envelope that sent Patrick Ewan to the New York Knicks. If there was an envelope that they could pick to send Zion where they wanted him to go, I'm talking about the league. Where would it be? My scenario is you say the Knicks get the number one pick. Okay, they trade it to New Orleans for Anthony Davis. Zion Williamson becomes a Pelican. That's my that's that's my conspiracy theory scenario. That's what the league would want. Tom Benson just died. They're doing everything to keep that franchise afloat down there. Because if they don't, well, I'm going to step out on a limb and say in two years, Gail Benson trade. I mean, not trades, but sells, and whatever group buys it moves it to Seattle. Oh, Listen, oh, no, and then if you sell it, you got a player like Zion Williamson. You can sell you it just for more. Up the, you just up the asking price for about five hundred yeah. million. Seattle's getting a team. Definitely. And Seattle's getting a team. I don't know if it's Memphis. I don't know if it's New Orleans. But Seattle is getting a team in the next two years. You think it's that early? Seattle gets a team, yeah. and then and, and then they reorganize the conferences, and Vegas gets a squad. Mm. That's my theory. So basically, New Orleans and Memphis will no longer be NBA hubs. One of those two is going to move. Yeah, I, can, I just don't see it being that soon within two years. The infrastructure for Seattle has been going on for like the last That's two true. years. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's going to happen fast because oh, when no. the word comes down, I think they'll be ready. They'll be ready, yeah. And then the team will play in whatever arena they have for maybe a year yeah, and construction yeah. on the new and then they get a new- is coming. And they'll never have another odd number of NBA teams. Yeah. It's going to always be either. It's always going to be. It's, just it's going to be like, like they did the odd number when they added, uh, I want to say it was Charlotte and Toronto. Yeah. Or like Vancouver, one of them was like 31 teams at some point or 29 teams at some point, and they hurried up and evened that out. So, you know, even if a team moves, if they, you know, if they add a team, they're going to have to add another one. And I think New Orleans is probably the best candidate to move just because of the market down there. And Seattle was hungry. They ain't, they, they lost their team. What, they lost the Sonics and what was KG's second year? That's when they lost them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they've been hungry for a team up there. They got some, what, they got some WNBA championships too? And that's a basketball town. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely see that. Right now, the Bulls are projecting that fourth spot. How do you how do you like Jared Culver, bro? <laughs> I don't. 
I don't even know his name. They better hope they can move up and try to get John Moran or something so they can Chris, get you know Chris what? Dunn up out of there. Everybody <laughs> wants – I just want to get into the top three to at least have a chance because certain teams might actually consider R.J. Baird at the two, especially – I wouldn't. I'm just saying the way workouts go. A team could fall in Uh-oh. love with R.J. Baird and take him number two. I'm all for that. You have no chance at John Morant if you're not even in the top three. Look, and then this is another one I'm going to give you. This is how you know the fix is in. Look at the Knicks. Who they got? There's no way the New York Knicks can have nobody. Not that team. There's no way the Knicks come away from this summer and this draft without either KD, Kyrie, or Zion. It's been, what, without anybody for, what, the last two seasons? Yeah, but, I mean, like, they never been in, in, in this position in either. Position? If you believe, look, if you believe that the fix was in when they got Patrick Ewing, which I firmly do, I'm not ruling nothing out. Nothing. Because you need those types of players. Like, those are, they, they don't even have to be franchise changing players. They could, Zion could be a buck. It don't even matter. It's Zion Williamson. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It don't even matter. He's going to put butts in the seats. He's going to sell tickets from the gate. Whoever gets Zion Williamson, they season ticket package is going to be sold out within a week. Probably less than that. And that's all you're really looking for. That's all you want. Last call. Let's go out to L.A. Genie Bus. I'm so glad there's a playoffs with all LeBron in it. Let me throw that in there. <laughs> Genie Bus said that when all the rumors were flying and leaks were going on surrounding the Anthony Davis trade, she started to look at her staff and the people around her and question them. In particular for me, there was a story that came out this season, and we've had our challenges this season. And it kind of um, made me doubt for a second some of the people that I was working with. And instead of, you know, calling the, the, the media who were reporting it, I sat down with the people that I work with and had face-to-face communication and, and realized that that is what we're dealing with now in this day and age is that the stories come so fast and furious that they try to get you off base and they get you off from the direction that you're headed and you've got to have faith in the people that you're working with and that trust and communication and that comes with face-to-face time because texting and email can lose context and tone and you, you know, you need to, you know, look somebody in the eyes and, um, you know, really, you know, restore your faith and restore your direction. And, and that's important for leadership. Oh, she trying to come at Magic and, and uh, Palenka, man? Yeah. I, um, I did not know Rob Palenka was disliked as much as is being reported. He's an agent. I mean... Yeah, man, Rob Blink was the open. I've seen. He a 5'5 guy, yeah. man. Right. Give Rob Blink his respect. It's Kobe's, Kobe's agent. Kobe's agent. Yeah, so. Kobe's really, agent. I mean, who knows what the perception about him was as an agent, but yeah, I don't know. That's a, She's made like a couple of comments where I've been like, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's, she's not a basketball person, she's, she's just not. in a basketball family. I think she's not a basketball like, person, um, but I think she's tried to put her input yeah. in those type of decisions and not give full control. I think she's scared to give full control oh, to Magic Johnson because of her brand, his yeah. brand out there. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to make sure so, that she is the one running the ship. I will yeah. always say this. Jeannie Buss 
her her life was embodied in the Pagniacci character in any given Sunday. That's her. Mm. Getting the team that's her. From, yeah, Cameron Diaz, huh? Yeah, Man. that's her. Cameron Diaz. That's a good that call. That is her. That's a good call. That's a really good call. Wow. Well, she needs to fall out of love with Luke Walton. I can tell you that. Ah, he done. Forget that. LeBron is look. LeBron is a coach changer and a coach killer. He up out of that, man. The bigger question is: Forget the Knicks. Do the Lakers make it through this this draft in this summer without coming up empty? Wait, what was their percentages in the lottery? Was that eleven percent? No, Lakers no. are at. Let me look at it one more time. I think they're in the single digits. Eight. Three percent. Oh wow! Yeah, you jumped into the okay, top. Well. Yeah, it's a pivotal. It's, it's definitely a pivotal summer uh, for them. Like I always said, if know, they do that, then y'all already know, man. We we, we ain't got to watch basketball no more. We ain't got to watch the league. I'm sorry, we ain't got to watch the draft. We ain't got to watch none of that no more. If that happens, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's wrestling at that point. Yeah, it's a pivotal summer for them, definitely. And that's another podcast, too, because I'm, I'm of the opinion that ain't nobody that matters. Yep. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. Talk free agency. We're going to talk about 25 years celebration of what most call the greatest year in hip hop, which was 1994. We'll talk about it 25 years later. And we're going to have our special guest, uh, Justin Tinsley, on uh, from The Undefeated, who wrote a great article about Above the Rim 25 years later. So... We'll talk about it next podcast. Go follow us according to sources, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Any streaming service, man, you can get us. Also, we are under the Under the Hood Conversations podcast. So anything that Jonathan Hood has, he tweets us out. He promotes us. Go under his Under the Hood podcast, and you'll see all of our podcasts and all of our shows under that umbrella. So we're doing big things, and uh, hopefully... You download us and uh, tell us how you think, what you think about the podcast.